All right, we're, we're, we're back. Um, this is part two of the um, BearCast Media Bengals weekly preview show. Alex Frank, Justin Cashman. Uh, where were we? Um, we're talking about this organization because, you know, this is what so much losing does over the last four years. And the fact that this team couldn't win under Marvin Lewis, who was brought in here to change the culture. And th- there should have been a lot more winning than there was. And I said, you know, the, the organization is at a crossroads. We are, you know, 52, this is the 53rd season of the organization. 18 winning seasons, five playoff wins, no Super Bowls, only two Super Bowl appearances, um, only one Hall of Famer, and Anthony Munoz. And here we are with... The Lord and Savior Joe Burrow in, and a head coach who is way over his head running this team. Yeah, I think you summed it up right there. Yeah, it, and the lease is up in twenty twenty six. Exactly, and as of right now, I mean, it's hard to imagine. I mean, the Bengals leaving Cincinnati. I mean, they've been here for so long, and the fan base—they're not like they're not like the black hole, like with the Raiders or with the Steelers where their fans travel to every single road game. I don't think that the fan base is at that level, but I think that there is an admirable group of fans that if this team were to even really consider moving, I think it would, you know, I mean, that's the same for any team. I'm not going to say that no team doesn't have a group of fans that would just be miserable if their team left. Obviously, that would suck. I mean, think about us. We're five minutes away from Paul Brown Stadium. It's right down the street. We can go to, you know, we can go drive past or to walk past and whatever we want. And I think that, Imagine in a few years from now that we're not even able to do that. We walk down toward uh, the riverfront and there's no Paul Brown Stadium there anymore. I mean, that would be terrible. And I mean, if you don't want that to happen, you have to have a guy that's going to lead this group. You have to have a coach who's going to lead these players to have success. Marvin Lewis did it for so many years, you know, on and off, not, I'm not making the playoffs every single year, but he's a guy that you knew would consistently give you a good outing week to week. I might not even say that, but a lot more than what Zach Taylor is proving right now. And I don't think that Zach Taylor is a guy that can, I mean, Zach Taylor, I don't think he's not a very outspoken guy. He's not a guy that's going to come into the locker room and, you know, raise his voice and scream and yell at these guys to say, like, come on, let's go get them fired up. He's a guy that's going to say, well, you know, uh, it's more of a, it's all about the game plan. And I mean, even though he doesn't even necessarily drop great, great game. Plans, Does he even know what a game plan is? Yeah. And I talked about in part one of our show that Eric Bieniemy, he's a guy that you really want in your organization because he's a guy that I think can really get this group fired up. He's a guy that's going to really get this team motivated to go out week to week and win games. And uh, I don't know if you listen to uh, it's Ace Boogie and Zim Houday on Orange is the New Black uh, Insider podcast. I might be mistaken on that name, but it's, it's it was close to that. And they were talking recently about what about Jim Harbaugh? Is he a guy that might be good for this team? Sign me up. What do you think? I mean, like that's a whole sign no, me. That's up. a whole other discussion. What would you have to you say saw about the Jim 40, Harbaugh? You saw what happened with the 49ers under Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Until until you know um, it came apart in 2014. Even that year, though, like the Niners at one point were seven and four. They were in contention for the NFC West division title. They had won. They had won it in 2011 and 2012 and 2013. They didn't win it, but they still went to the NFC Championship and were within 25 yards of going to the Super Bowl. Jim Harbaugh turned that team around. I mean, the 49ers were one of the NFL's um, worst teams 
And then Jim Harbaugh comes in and year one, they're 13 and three. They're 13 and three in year one. And then they were within five yards of winning a Super Bowl. Now, the 49ers have had immense success in their franchise history, um, particularly, you know, with Joe Montana, um, Bill, I almost forgot his name, Bill Walsh, and um, when Eddie, Eddie DeBartolo owned the team, and of course, all their other Jim, Jerry Rice and Steve Young, Steve Young Ronnie Lott. <laughs> I can go on and on. That yeah. team, that's a proud franchise right there. That actually will do whatever it takes to win. Hmm. Funny how last year they get Emmanuel Sanders to the deadline, and look what they did after that. Went to the Super Bowl. It's a miracle. Anyway, um, how did I get to the 49ers there? Um, oh, oh, you mentioned Jim Harbaugh. I was going to say this with Eric Bieniemy. Do you remember on the Monday night game against the Ravens when the Ravens get back into it? The game is 27-20. He's on the sidelines. He's going off. Like he's he's throwing his, his clipboard or uh, little iPad thingy. He's you know he his headset's coming off. He's screaming at the guys. And next possession, the Chiefs go down, score a touchdown, and ice the game. I want that man leading my team. I don't want you know some thirty-six-year-old nice guy who's got a you know. I mean, I'm not gonna throw that in there. I was gonna go somewhere I shouldn't have gone, but um, that's who that's who I want. I want a leader of men. Like Mike Tomlin is a leader of men. John Harbaugh is a leader of men. Kevin Stefanski's starting to maybe prove himself a little bit, but that's why these two games for an organization. You know, I haven't. I'll, I'll go back. I'll come back to that to that point. I have not brought this up, Justin, on on this this year ever, but I'm going to bring it up right now. So we talk about, you know, um, bringing back Marvin Lewis after 2017, which was just an absolute clown of a move. Where this organization planted its flag of who they are in terms of winning and greatness and standards in 2010 the Bengals go four and 12. there is turmoil in the locker room there is losing games they shouldn't have lost there's a and i i don't know how in the holy hell i remember this but they were they went on a 10 game losing streak in 2010. they were two and one they were off to a nice start they lose games by 3, 3, 7, 8, 6, 6, an 18-point loss to Buffalo. Oh, by the way, uh, they were up 31-7 in that game. They lost 49, to, I believe, 31. So they got outscored 42-0 the rest of the way by the Bills. And the Bills were terrible that year. Um, so then they lost by 4 to the Saints and then by 6 to the Ravens. And that's not all. The, that, those are separate. One of them separate from the losing streak, but you get my point there. So that was Marvin Lewis's eighth season as the head coach of this team. Eighth season. And in that time, he had two playoff appearances, uh, three other seasons at 8-8, eight and eight, but then three seasons, um, I'll call him back, um, three seasons of lose, with losing records, 07-08, and then 2010. So after 4-12... And considering that was their third losing season in four years, and they hadn't built on the promising start to the era with three straight playoff appearances, what does Mike Brown do? Brings Marvin Lewis back on a three-year extension. Two playoff appearances in eight years, and you're going to give that man a three-year extension to lead this football team in this city. It's garbage. And it 
really just shows you how much they value familiar faces because like we've talked about Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap they just signed long-term extensions just a couple off seasons ago dead money they signed Marvin Lewis to the three-year extension not because he's given them the team results that they needed but because he's just a familiar face that they hope can turn this team around and he's just a guy that is there that they're familiar with and that's been the same case with them for several players over their entire franchise history and as we talk about the free agent signings in this last offseason and something that they've never done before that needs to be the new norm they need to set we talked about last week with trademarks and we were really talking about it with how teams really play and like their offensive and defensive styles but it starts the trademarks start with the organization the organizational leadership mike brown he needs to come out in off seasons and come out and spend money on guys that are going to help this team i'm sounding like a broken record i know and i'm sorry but if you want this trademark for this team to be winning that has to be the that has to be the formula Mike Brown has to go out, spend money on guys that are going to help this team, not guys that have been with this team who are really not the same player that they used to be, who are absolutely doing nothing for this team at this point, and they need to go out and sign guys that are going to help this team right now. They, they haven't shown that they want to win now. They want to, they want to sign guys that are going to maybe win them in next year or two years from now. They, they don't want to win now. They haven't shown that they want to win now, and I don't think and the foreseeable future that they want to win. New England Patriots lost their six-time Super Bowl champion quarterback in Tom Brady this offseason. And it would have been so easy to just tank for Trevor Lawrence. Ha! <laughs> Is that in the Patriots' language? <laughs> Hell no, it's not. <laughs> they went out and got Cam Newton. Now, you want to talk about familiar faces and players who aren't what they used to be. Cam Newton, that was a risk. That was a risk of epic proportions. But I give Bill Belichick and that team immense credit for doing that because they know what he can do. And they have completely reinvented their offense for Cam Newton. And that move is, I think, paid off. I think they're going to win against the 49ers on Sunday and start to turn their season around. They're only 2-3. and three. They've only played five games i know it's week seven but they've played only five games and in their two wins against miami and um las vegas they've looked pretty they've looked pretty solid and look you lose to seattle and kansas city i'm not gonna blame i'm not gonna put too much onus on them for those no if you want to put if and denver okay at least i can trust bill belichick off a bad loss against a, against his former quarterback and jimmy garoppolo you better bet your bottom dollar he's going to have that team ready. That's a leader of men. That's a leader of men that I want on my team, but the Patriots got him locked up for life, so you can't you can't do much about it there. But yeah, it's, it's just, Justin, like, why won't this front office take risks? Why, you know, are, are, we, are we scared to win here? It's like, you know, I mean, compared to like, oh, you know, you want that dream, you know, you want to date that dream girl. Are you, are you scared to share feeling, your feelings to her? You can't do that. You have to be willing to take risks in life. It may not work now, but it may work in two or three years. Look, okay, you know, if, like, you can bring back Reader, you can bring back Bell, you can bring whoever, bring back whoever you want in free agency next year, but you still have to 
continue to do what you want to do. It, 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 you know, if you get rejected or you lose in year one, you can't just say, well, we tried. Mm, that's going to get you nowhere. But like, just I go back to that move in 2010 of bringing Marvin Lewis, who had his chance and he did not do it. Most organizations, Marvin Lewis would have been fired after 2008. But I wasn't going to blame him because his, his, his starting quarterback was out for a majority of that season, Carson Palmer. Okay, fine. Like, you want, like, you want, um, you want to bring Marvin Lewis back after that? Fine. I, I can live with that. But after 2010, when you signed Terrell Owens in the offseason to come in, and Chad Johnson saying, if we don't win the Super Bowl, this season will be a bust, and you go 4 and 12, and you don't fire your head coach? I mean, the organization was at a crossroads then. Its franchise quarterback was in a fight with the owner, and you're not going to fire the coach, but you're going to draft the quarterback who I would argue, when all is said and done, will not have had as good of a career as Carson Palmer. That was a crap move right there by the organization. I mean, who knows? You could have said, okay, we need to draft. You know, I don't remember the weaknesses of, of who that team was. Okay, you want to draft. An offensive lineman. Okay. You want to draft a particularly right tackle. You want to bring in a running back. Okay. You want to bring in um, a wide receiver because Chad was on his way out. Hoosh was already out. Fine. Get A.J. Green. They did. The move shouldn't have, the move shouldn't have been that season. Oh, let's keep our head coach. Let's, you know, get rid of our, you know, let's not give what Carson Palmer wants. Carson Palmer, the Bengals ran him out of here. I don't want anyone to tell me, oh, Carson Palmer quit. Mm. No, he didn't quit. The organization failed him. Sorry for my. Um, no, I'm glad I, we did this. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I think that it's good that we're getting all the. It's good that we're. It's like we're in a. Um, and I don't want to hear people blame us for talking about nothing about the game on Sunday. We know this game is important on Sunday. If the Bengals don't win this game on Sunday and they don't win against Tennessee, you cannot go on with Zach Taylor as your head coach. You can't do it. It's like we're a couple in like a divorce therapy right now. We need to get everything off our chest to each other. You need, we need to get everything out. <sighs> uh, but no, I think like the, one of the most frustrating things is to me is that you always hear the same, the same thing with the Bengals. It's like they, they don't lack talent. And while you're while the, they don't no, and that's the thing is like they don't lack talent. They have talent, but it's not across the board. And what what I mean by that is. They have talent. They have Joe Mixon. They have these great wide receivers. They have A.J. Green. They have T. Higgins. They have Tyler Boyd. Weapons galore for Joe Burrow, and that's great. But that doesn't mean anything if you don't have talent on the offensive line. That doesn't mean talent if you. That doesn't mean anything if you don't have talent on the defensive line. Because what you have this great offense, you have these great receivers. But what's it mean if you can't get the ball to them when you have 0.2 seconds to get get it out of your hands? That's great. It's great that we have these guys, and I love having them here. But we need to upgrade the positions that matter the most. If you're a business and you're starting a business, you can't just say, well, we're going to go all in on one group because that's, good. that's what's going to be really good for us. No, you have, to, you have to spread the wealth. You have to give every position a chance and you have to see what you have at each position. You have to always have talent at every positional group because if you don't, it's great to have that one positional group or two positional groups that are really good, but they're not going to benefit because there's a other lacking part. And that's what I mean because the Bengals, if they want to win, they want to go out and get an offensive lineman that's really going to help Joe Burrow. Because you, I've heard this several times, and I hate hearing it, but people are saying Joe Burrow's going to get hurt. He's going to get hurt, and it might not be this upcoming week. It might not be the week after that, but it's going to come. And when he does, 
What's this organization going to say? They're going to say, oh, well, we thought that we put him in the best chance possible with this absolutely abysmal offensive line. And we thought that we put him in the best position possible to have success. Uh, we thought we put the best five guys out there every week um, and that he just wasn't going to get hurt. Well, guess what? He got hurt. And now what are you going to say? Because you're missing your best quarter, you're, or you're missing your quarterback, the, probably the best rookie quarterback out there right now. And what are you going to say then? What are you going to say then? Because now you don't have hope. You don't have hope. And that's what this organization is, is just done for way too long. And I know, and just like you said, I, I, I know we have this game on Sunday, but it's deeper than that. It, it's more than that. There's more to this team than what's at stake on Sunday. Marvin Lewis and the fact that he did win throughout his career in Cincinnati masked a lot of the issues that are within this front office. I mean, he really did. Like, I mean, the Bengals from 03 through 10 in the Palmer era, yes, they were a competitive football team. Outside of 2008 and 2010, like, they were playing meaningful games into the month of December. If I mean, the Bengals last year weren't playing meaningful games in late October. I mean, I mean, Zach Taylor, he's, I mean, he does not know how to be the head coach of a football team. I mean, what's he doing? I mean, think about the head coach that he faced last year. All right, so the first two weeks of the season, we're going to put him up against Pete Carroll and Kyle Shanahan. Oh, that worked out well, didn't it? And then, you know, I mean, this division alone, as Mike Tomlin, John Harbaugh, you went 0-4 against them last year. You're already 0-1 against them this year. And now Kevin Stefanski can, has the upper end on you? I mean, this is... This is the problem. We keep falling behind. We keep falling behind on the times. The Marvin Lewis era is gone. you got to move into this new era. And Zach Taylor is not the head coach to lead this team. And here's, here's what's going to happen. They're going to win on Sunday. They're going to give us a little bit of hope. And then the Titans are going to come in and just bully us. And, and by the way, if, if Joe Burrow were to get hurt, which I, God forbid if that happens... And Zach Taylor comes out and says, we thought we'd put him in the best position possible. This just happens. If I hear that, I don't, I don't even know what the hell I would. I, I might run the Flying Pig Marathon course out of frustration. And I'm not kidding when I say that. I, I remember last year, and if Elise Jesse, former uh, news anchor at Channel 5, sports anchor at Channel 5 is listening to this in Connecticut, it, I remember there was a Reds game last year where I said, if they lose this game, I will run the Flying Pig Marathon course. She looks at me. She looks at me in a way that I'll never forget, and she goes, I'm going to hold you to that. Elise, you have my permission. If, if I hear, if Joe Burrow gets hurt, God forbid, and Zach Taylor says, well, we put him in the best position possible, this just happens. If that happens and I hear that, Elise, you can hold me accountable that I will run the Flying Pig Marathon course out of frustration, and I'll probably drink who knows how many beers. So I might, like, I might cross the finish line half, maybe fully drunk. I don't know. Go ahead. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, we talked a lot about this organization and about what, what the direction it is or the lack thereof, Zach Taylor. Um, but I think it's probably time for us to get into our, I mean, I think if you go on anymore, I think we might just, steam might be coming out of our ears. Uh, but, uh, Alex, I just want to get like, what's your score prediction for Sunday? What do you expect on Sunday? And what are you most looking forward to, and what are you not most looking the thing forward I'm, to? The thing I'm actually expecting, I'm expect, I have a mixed bag of expectations. On one hand, I think this is a game the Bengals can win, actually, because I don't know what kind of state the Browns are in right now, but uh, I, I don't trust this team at all. Um, the Browns have, you know, Nick Chubb's out, okay, and they still have Kareem Hunt. 
They still have Jarvis Landry. They still have Odell Beckham. Yeah, Austin Hooper's out to the tight end, but I mean, they have enough on offense, and Miles Garrett is going to toy with Bobby Hart again. Um, Denzel Ward is Denzel Ward is in, is in the prime of his career, and AJ Green's on the on the decline, so that's going to be a, a mismatch in the Browns' favor. I Baker's questionable, but. They have enough to get it done against this Bengals team, unfortunately. And it won't be because of Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's going to have a good game. I'm going to say right now he'll throw for about 250 at least, maybe a touchdown, maybe two touchdowns. But I'll say the Browns 34-21. 34-21? Correct. You ready? Yep. When is the la- what is the last year that the Browns swept the Bengals? 2018. 2018? Yeah. It's not happening this year. That's not happening this year. What? That's not happening this year. Whoa! Last year... The Bengals' first game, first game against Cleveland in Cleveland. I was at the game. Could have won that game. Could have won that game. There was a questionable call against William Jackson on an interception, but we're not going to get into that. The last game of the season, the Browns came into Cincinnati. The, the Bengals have nothing to play for at that point. Not, neither team does. You know, they're just playing for morale. They're just playing for for each other at that point. And you know what the Bengals did? They won that game in the third quarter. They won that game by halftime. Like I've said, they need to do all year. They need to win a game like that. And they're going to do that against Cleveland this week. You know why? Their starting offensive guard, their starting tight end, are both out. Wyatt Teller, who has posted, if you believe in this kind of stuff, a 94.4 PFF grade. Obviously, it's there, not believe if you believe in that matters as much as some other people do. And he is easily their best offensive lineman, one of the best offensive linemen in the entire NFL. And my prediction is Geno Atkins and Mike Daniels are going to have a field day. They're going to stop Kareem Hunt. They're going to keep him to below 100 rushing yards. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to force Baker to throw the ball. And I know that William Jackson is out, but Darius Phillips has had tremendous success against the Cleveland Browns in his first two, in his first, uh, I think two years or last year, he had tremendous success against them. And he's going to have a great game on Sunday. I'm picking the Bengals to win 30 to 23. I know that it's not likely. I know that a lot of people might not believe in that, but I believe in it. I don't think the Bengals are going to get swept. I think the Bengals are going to come in. I think they're going to play strong. They're going to play hard. They know that Zach Taylor, they know all the narrative around Zach Taylor and what's going to happen if he loses this game. And they're going to play for him, I think. I think they're going to play for Zach Taylor to keep his job. And I think these guys are going to show that they're closer than what a lot of the national media, what, closer than what a lot of the national media and closer than what a lot of the fans think. And they're going to win this game. You just contradicted everything we talked about on the you show know, by, Zach, by saying that by saying that they're going to play for Zach Taylor. But we didn't talk about if the players are, you know, kind of revolting or rebelling or rebelling against him. You know what, Zach? Or, Zach. You know what, Alex? I know that everything we just talked about in this last almost hour and a half has basically been down, negative on Zach Taylor, this whole franchise, the direction of this team, everything. But I think in 2020, I think we all need that, you know, just that sense of hope, the sense that we need to get, we, we, we have to be happy about something, you know. There hasn't been much to be happy about. Yeah. And you know what? The Bengals are going to beat the Browns 30-23. to 23, I predict it right now. All right. What is your favorite beer or drink? And if the Bengals win, I will have it for you on Monday's show. I'll tell you, truly lemonades. I, I've been, I've been feeling love those. Those, those, those have been pretty I good. Love, I love truly lemonades. So you say thirty-four twenty-one Browns. Yes. I say thirty to twenty-three Bengals. It's the second meeting between the Bengals and the Browns this season. The second and last. Bengals lost the first one in Cleveland. 
This is going to be a big game for both teams, and we'll see what happens. But anyway, thank you so much for listening. Uh, part one, uh, you can listen to before this. So this is the part two. I was going to post this first, unless you want me to post part one first. Whatever works. I mean, either way, both will be posted, so you guys can go ahead and listen to both. This is the BearCast Media Bengals Preview Show. I am Justin Cashman. He is Alex Frank, and thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk to you guys on Monday.